Welcome to Jim Galliano's Building a Better Web Presence podcast. Build something better with less moving parts, less overhead, and less headaches. Hey, everybody, this is Jim Galliano, and thanks for joining me for today's podcast episode. As always, it's good to be here with you today. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. I'm going to do my very best to make this one of your favorite podcasts. And if you're a long-time listener, of course, welcome back. I'm glad you're continuing with me in this journey. This is the podcast that's dedicated to helping people, solopreneurs, freelancers, small business owners, people just like yourself, who want to build what you might call maybe a higher level or enjoy a higher level of satisfaction in their work and in their business life. And there's so much craziness happening in the world today. I think sometimes the business world can be a little bit of an escape from all of the craziness that's happening in the world around us. But sometimes there's even more craziness or just as much happening in the business world, depending on what kind of business that you have, depending on how you manage it, depending on where you are in your life. And so there's a little bit in here for everyone. Now today, I want to talk about some of the changes that are happening on the social landscape. And a good place to start would be with a news item I just heard a few days ago. I want to share with you in case you haven't heard it. I know many people are aware of it, are aware of this, but probably many aren't. But Facebook was in the news again last week for all of the wrong reasons. And this time they were caught once again falsifying the data advertisers were seeing uh, with their ad or audience reach. So in plain English, basically Facebook wanted to make advertisers think they were reaching more people than they actually were. And that includes doing things like creating fake accounts to prop up the fraudulent data. And yeah, they were caught and a federal judge went ahead and allowed this suit to proceed. Basically, there were uh, fixing the numbers, cooking the books, so to speak. Now, I didn't know this, but when I heard them talking about this news story, they were also saying that they were sued for this exact same thing in the past already, and they lost. I forgot how many millions of dollars in damages they paid out. But this time, the, it's a, a huge class uh, class action suit. And it's supposed to involve everyone from small mom and pop type businesses to the large multinational corporations and anyone in between who bought Facebook ads from 2014, believe it or not, forward until now. So it's going to be a huge lawsuit. And Meta, the company that used to be known strictly as Facebook, that's who the suit is against. So it'll be interesting to see what happened. Now, keep in mind that Facebook, among other of these big tech giant companies, have appeared before Congress more than once due to what's considered by many, if not most, to be unethical business practices. Now, personally, I never really got involved with this side of social media and uh, all of the rot that you hear about. And I read the statistics like everything else, like social media being a major cause of depression and anxiety with people. And, and you know, you just go right down the list. And I wasn't really focused so much on that because most of my experience on social media has been as a business owner, as a marketer. And so I spent most of my time in the past focusing on connecting with people that my business products and services were able to help. And so it was a pretty positive experience 
for me for the most part. So if I look back from when I first got on board, I believe it was 2008, maybe 2009 and forward, but that became, I don't know if increasingly negative would be the right way to put it. I guess so. I would say right around that period of time, let's say around 2018, I think things really began to slide on social media in general. And, um, and you know, personally, I love the fact that Facebook connected me to people that I would have otherwise never connected with. So I never really wanted to talk badly about it outright. And to all of you who are listening that I've connected with on Facebook, people like yourself are what made Facebook a positive experience over the years for me personally, and I'm sure uh, to many others as well. But the company at its core is rotten. Let's call it just for what it is. They've lied. They've cheated. uh, They've paid out millions of dollars, uh, hundreds of millions now probably since their inception, not just here in the United States, but over in Europe and other places. They've cheated their advertisers and their user base and the um, number of people who are spending a significant amount of time on the platform is getting smaller every day. Now this, I know it may sound like I'm picking on Facebook, but this is having a ripple effect on social media in general on how people are interacting today as opposed to how they were interacting in the past. And this is what I want to talk about a little bit today because the social landscape has changed And one of the things you have to realize is that if you're a marketer and you rely on data, I hate to say this, but actually speaking with company, uh, people who work for companies who compile data, a lot of what you see is false. And there's a good reason for it. It's almost like how certain things are propped up for financial reasons and appear to be doing better than they actually are. Again, it's for financial reasons. And Every time articles come out that say that social media is detrimental to people's mental health, uh, there are forces out there that will try and suppress that information. They're doing it for financial reasons because they're investing in social media. Think about how much some of the uh, stocks are worth with some of these large companies. And it's not to their benefit for bad news to be promoted. Matter of fact, I was just reading an article in a um on a health blog and they were sharing information that's been released from the 1950s forward about heart attacks and um, the cause of heart attacks increasing dramatically in the 1950s and studies were done by different medical groups and scientists were basically paid off to promote the fact that sugar was not harmful to people can you believe that? And you know, when you hear things like that, now I have to say I'm kind of a, I don't want to call myself a junk food eater. There's nobody here right now, but I know if there were people in the room with me, <laughs> I would be getting some looks. But you know, I kind of like a little bit of sugary stuff every now and then. I don't eat frosted flakes anymore, but I used to like them as a kid and different sugary cereals. I love a good chocolate donut every now and then. I love a candy bar here or there. I'm just being honest with you about things that I like. In the past, I probably drank a whole lot more Coke than I should have, and I don't buy that anymore. And I mean, I don't don't keep a a monk-like diet. I'll definitely admit to that. But in the past, there were studies that were done that were showing things like the fact that uh, certain foods were harmful. 
And then counter studies were done to say the opposite. And these were done because why? Because the companies that create these sugary products have pretty deep pockets and you can get scientists and analysts to produce whatever type of result that you want. Now, I know when people hear about this and they say, well, that was the 1950s, but that's not true anymore. The fact is, according to the people that I've spoken with, it's more true today than ever before. I've seen it in politics. I've been involved in the in the past with publicity for both the Republican and the Democratic Party. And I've worked for uh, different political campaigns on both sides of the aisle. And I can tell you for a fact that when it comes to that, this is a good example of that. A lot of times uh, polls are made to make someone appear a lot more popular than they are. I'm sure you know that there were candidates who were running in the past who had huge Twitter followings that were just propped up. They really didn't have that kind of follower base. And you know as well as I do if you're in the tech world that certain things can be made to look a certain way that really aren't that way. But sometimes we think, well, that's just the area of life that we're involved in. For example, if you have 10,000 visitors to your site on any given month and 9,000 of them turn out to be bots that are just giving the appearance of site traffic, well, then you might think, well, that's just the corruption that exists on, in my little part of the world, in my marketplace. But you don't really realize that that same corruption, perhaps more so, exists in everything. And so it's very difficult to figure out what's happening and what's not until you begin to talk to people who are um, in the thick of it themselves to find out what the truth is about certain things. But social media in general has um, transformed before our eyes over the last several years, I would say at least five years, probably more. And the social media that we remember back in 2009, 2010, 2011 isn't the same social media that we have today. Now, I'm not saying this to um, so that you feel disappointed or frustrated or mad about it or you know, depressed about it or anything like that. I'm just saying that as a business person, you have to deal with reality. And when something is a certain way, you don't want to keep hitting your head against a wall because the facts aren't what you want them to be. So on the positive side, I would say that social media was fantastic for many years because it allowed me to connect with people like you who are listening uh, and become friends on Facebook and on other platforms. So for those of you who use Facebook as a primary tool in your marketing plan, do I recommend that you leave it? No, I don't recommend that you leave it. If you're doing well or somewhat well on Facebook, I would start looking at it as a platform that's more or less a marriage of convenience, though. I would look at it that way now instead of being all in with it as you look to the future indefinitely. So what I'm saying is make sure that you continue to build the properties that you personally own and control. Just don't put go all in on one of these platforms. Having a presence on any social channel is like having a store located in another city. There may come a time when doing business in that city is no longer beneficial to your business and you'll relocate or you'll shut it down. And as good as things may be today, it's still a remote location and it's still built on someone else's property. I mean, there's plenty of examples of people who have been shut down on YouTube and other places for 
really not much of a reason. Sometimes it's accidental and accounts are restored, but that just gives you an idea of how little control that you would have in a worst case situation if something bad happens. So you do have to plan with that in mind. The whole topic of what's hot and what's not stirs up a lot of insecurities as well as the topic of what you can control and what you can't in the business sector. Like, for example, right now, TikTok is hot, and I know a lot of people are trying to figure out how they can build a presence on that platform. Why is TikTok hot, though? I think, number one, it's fast. It's goofy entertainment, for the most part, on the go, and it's uh, short-form content, short-form video content. Some marketers are saying that you need to be on TikTok right now because the ads are so cheap. I understand that the ads are cheap, but does that apply to most people in most places, most businesses? I have to question that. Now, it's funny, but just a few years ago, TikTok was on the brink of being banned here in the United States because of overt privacy violations. And that's really putting it mildly. That involved China. LinkedIn is another example, another platform that's been accused of the same thing. They're owned by Microsoft is another tech giant. You know, it's funny, but I remember as a kid watching the movies where these big evil corporations were basically defined as ones that destroy the environment or big pharma. But today, the big tech companies now occupy the flip side of what happens to be the exact same coin. Now, let me take a minute here and just add a few personal thoughts on top of this data that I've shared with you. Let's consider how the human element has changed because I think this is really important. Now, yesterday, a friend of mine who doesn't exactly spend a lot of time on social media but just enjoys it as a way of unwinding, as most people do, he has a career in another industry. He's not a business owner. And the other day, he said to me in the inbox, he said, it doesn't seem like people use Facebook as much as they used to. And then he added, well, I guess how many times do people want to see what I ate for dinner? And I laughed when he said that. And I thought back to the earlier years because we had gone to high school together. We grew up together. A really good friend and like as happens in life, you lose track. You lose touch with people. You don't know whatever happened to them. And then life gets busy. And the next thing you know, time passes by. Well, I found him and other people that I grew up with, people I graduated high school with way back when in the early days of social media. And uh, that was in compared to today, let's say 2008, you can still say that was the younger days of the online world. And during that time, I spent quite a bit of my own time, personal time, just searching for stuff and learning new things. I spent hours upon hours just browsing through different search results, reading articles and and that. And when I look at it now, part of the reason why I did that, number one, I was in a learning phase. You know, we go through phases in life, but a phase doesn't last forever. I was going through a learning phase, but number two, that coincided with the fact that most of this was, was brand new to me. I got started in 1998. Let's round it up to 2000. And just say the last 20 years, all of this was new for the average person. And uh, that's what I consider it the younger days, the younger years of how the online world was. But what happens? Like anything else, the newness wears off and the new thing becomes the old thing. Bringing this down to 
an individual level, we see this happen in relationships between people, not just between a person and a product or a person and a community, but we see it happen person to person all of the time. Now, in the early days of social media, I remember people were on their best behavior. For those of you who are around, it was exciting, wasn't it, to meet people who lived in other countries and other parts of the world in different time zones. And I used to think to myself, wow, the only real rude people are seem to be here in the United States. But even those people were on their best behavior when communicating with people in other countries, in South America, Europe, Asia, all over the world. It was a truly exciting time. But then what happened? That was the new thing, and then it became sort of commonplace. And it's like the dating philosophy where people are on their very best behavior during the beginning of a relationship. And, you know, it's not that every relationship has to sour with time. But unfortunately, it does happen, doesn't it? Now, back to the social aspect of this, I think that the thing that drew us to the social platforms in the early years uh, like the new thing I was talking about, like the the new dating, meeting the new person, that very thing that was there, that element, I think that is the thing that in its more mature form is driving the average person away from social platforms today because the social aspect of social media has been souring for years until it finally hit a tipping point, I would say, several years back. Now, I know it's really easy to look at this and blame it all on politics, but in my opinion, I think it's actually much deeper than that. I think that politics just added fuel to what happened to be an existing fire. It might have been a, sm a much smaller fire, I'll give you that, but I think the fire was already there. And so politics basically just inflamed the problems. You know, and I say all of this from the perspective of someone who today I've made a conscious decision to watch all of this play out from what I consider to be a safer distance. Now, how does all of this affect our planning in the online business world? Well, first of all, I believe that where we are today, I believe that much of the interactive element has been removed from social media in general and from maybe many of the newer business relationships as well. For example, People want the product or the service, but not necessarily ongoing interaction with the provider of the product or service. Sure, we want the communication to be there if we need help or if we have a question or if we have a problem. But because we are a supporter of a product or service doesn't necessarily mean that we want to be part of a social community that's built around that product or service. I think this is a hard pill for some people to swallow because we were all parts of communities at one time or another that for one reason or another grew apart. Like I gave that example just a few moments ago about everyone being on their best behavior in a new relationship. Well, we can look at a community. I'm sure most of you are familiar with what it's like to be in a teenage community at one time in your life. You were part of a high school. There was a first day of school where basically everyone was more or less on the same level but then over the course of the next four years, what happened? People began to migrate into cliques, people that had certain interests formed different groups. There were insiders, there were outsiders, and there was everything in between. Well, I don't really think that human nature changes all that much, to be quite honest about it. And just because we become adults and more mature 
I think that what changes the most is the ability to hide some of the immature things that we think or feel maybe towards other people. But um, personally, I think that community was once seen as a much bigger plus uh, than it is today. And that doesn't mean that you're wasting your time if you're building a community. I'm not saying that uh, around a product or a service as a business owner. I think you just have to come to the realization that what it means in the larger aspect of the society as it is today, that fewer people are going to be willing to invest their time into giving into any particular community. For example, I was a member of a bookkeeping community several years ago, and I became a member. This isn't a Facebook group, by the way. I'm just talking about the social aspect of the online world and how communities work in general. But the shift has definitely happened. So I was part of this community, and the draw of the community was that I was able to get insights into the financial softwares that I was using at the time for the benefit of my business and the way I was handling money. And after I learned what I was interested in learning, the element that drew me into that community was no longer present, and so I began spending less and less time in that community. I hope that makes sense. Now, on the other side, you ever hear people make a comment about someone that only comes around when they need something? Well, basically, we all do that. Maybe we don't do it in our core community, right? We're all part of a core community. Our family is like a core community. Our best friends are part of our core community. And we have that relationship. But realistically, how many people can you have an ongoing relationship with that you actually keep up with? I know they they said, uh, I don't know, four or five years ago that realistically we can keep up with, I think, 100 people. I think someone else said 300 people, but no more than that. And what that means is people that we actually know who they are, what they're about, what's going on in their lives, what's going on in their businesses, that awareness, I think we can only have up to a certain point. Now, it's not that we need to have that kind of relationship with everybody, of course. And it's not that we should want that kind of relationship with everybody. I mean, there's only so much of you, right, to go around. But when the thing that drove me to that community, that financial community was no longer there, then I wasn't there. Now, recently, I checked back with that community again because I was in need of some updated information. And I have to tell you, I was glad the community was still there. I was glad that they were still posting some information. Now, I'm sure just like any other community online, it ebbs and it flows. I'm sure groups grow and they shrink. Uh, One of the things I think that if you look at Facebook groups or Facebook communities as an instance, you have people that sign up for groups. I've signed up for groups that I visit at one time. But I've never unjoined the group, and I don't participate in the group. So why am I still joined to the group? Well, I have nothing against the group. I have nothing against the group at all. I don't think any more or less of the group. It's just that I have X amount of time in the day, and wherever my point of need is, that's where I'm going to be spending my time at any given time throughout the year. And what I think you have to realize is for those of you who are do have Facebook groups or LinkedIn groups or any other type of group, you have to give people a little bit of leeway. And if people leave your group, don't take it personally because many of those people are as overwhelmed as you are. And it's not that they don't support you or care about you or care about what you're doing, but they just have to have a semblance of sanity in their own life. And for some of them, that means just the way to do that is to unsubscribe from 
all of the groups that they're not using. Does that make sense? I know that people take it personally when people unfriend other people. I can understand that maybe a little bit more than when someone unfriend or unsubscribes from a community or a group. But you just have to realize, again, that people are juggling so many things today and that the social aspect does not provide the same type of enjoyment today as it has in the past. Because, again, we're not at the beginning point. We're well into it now where you see people or people feel comfortable showing you what they really think or what they really feel. They don't really care if they offend you. Now, I was brought up in such a way, I hope you were too, that manners were important and that it's not worth it for me to get into an argument with someone to prove myself right. And I've been drawn into these arguments just like you have. And I've gone away feeling, you know, lousy and, and wondering why I wasted my time in an argument. I'm just at more apt not to even get involved in the conversation anymore. If someone says something that I disagree with, you know, there's an old saying that you can disagree without being disagreeable. I think that's something that you learn when you get a little bit older. I mean, not every fight is worth engaging in. So, but the social aspect has completely changed. Now, one of the things that made social media such a powerful marketing tool in the past was the interaction. People were coming to businesses because we had started a conversation and that conversation was around products and services and building something and making things better. And I think Seth Godin was the one who popularized that statement. Uh, we're inviting people into the conversation. Well, I hate to say it, but unfortunately, times have changed and people have had their fill of the conversation. Uh, people have withdrawn from the conversation. We're no longer at that point as marketers where we can easily engage people. Why? Because look beyond the marketing, look beyond the business and look at the society as a whole. That's what I'm saying. A lot of times you think, well, you know, the marketing method is not as good as it was, or people have a fill of, of the similar products and services and all that. But there's a deeper undercurrent that's driving the animosity. And uh, I think that basically is that people are unhappy. People are unhappy for legitimate reasons and non-legitimate reasons, I think, but it doesn't remove the fact that they're unhappy. Now, as a business owner, the beauty of the content that I create and the content that you create is that it's going to help people who are reaching out for help. And that content is there 24-7, whether it's in blog form or saved somewhere on a community that you're a part of, whether it's audio or video or, or written, whether it's in a help file or blog post. It's, if it's designed to meet a need or solve a problem or give some kind of guidance from a business perspective, it's worth the effort to create it. That's my final opinion on how I look at content today. But no, the social aspect of social media has changed. And that change is evident and becoming more evident to an increasing number of people as time passes. And so if we had looked at this maybe three to four years ago, many of us would have come to the conclusion, well, it's just where people need the next big platform, the next big thing in tech. Well, we have all kinds of smaller media popping up all of the time, many different platforms. And I think that's a response to people souring on what they might call big tech. But going even deeper into the societal part of it, I don't think it's a matter of getting in early on the next big platform at this point. I think the next big platform is just leftover marketing speak. 
You know, again, it might have been true three or four years ago, but not today. And that's why a platform like TikTok has gained in popularity so quickly, so suddenly, so uh, forcefully, because it provides short form entertainment for a lot of people. A lot of it's just mindless entertainment. You don't have to be involved. You don't have to interact. You don't have to join the conversation. All you do is scroll, click, and watch. Scroll, click, and watch. Scroll, click, and watch. People aren't going to the platform to make a purchase. I know the ads are cheap. There's a reason for that. Should you get in early on the ads or not? I think it depends on your business type. We could argue that ads really only get in the way of a better user experience anyway. But if you talk to people, I think you'll find that they're in general, spending less time with less interactivity on any given social platform right now. Plus, what do we see when we look at or we think about the mood in general, looking at things from a strictly social perspective? We see a whole lot of things like insulting and negativity and outright hostility between people as they're interacting at times. Now, I know a few people that go onto various platforms at certain times of the day, and I'm becoming more like this myself, and it's sort of like the office workers that used to gather around the water cooler or the break room to discuss what's going on, and if there's people online to chat with, that's what they'll do, and if not, maybe they'll check back later in the day or at night or tomorrow, but this is very much different from the days where people would spend hours upon hours day and night, connected with others on various social channels, groups, and threads. And it was something that was really habit-forming, especially in the early days when everything was new. That consistent presence seems to be a thing of the past for most people right now. And I had another friend tell me the other day that, quote, people don't seem to be, I actually wrote this down because it really stuck with me, people don't seem to use social media for being social very much now. They use it for selling and marketing. Now, I've always used social media for sales and marketing, but also to connect with people. But it's true that the desire to be social and to meet new people and to network isn't quite there the way it used to be. But that's an interesting take from someone who, again, works a regular job and has no interest in using a platform like Facebook, for instance, to buy or sell anything. So we're all starting to see, we're all beginning to see the obvious downsides to the topic. But all of this doesn't mean that, you know, the last person off the platform should turn off the light. I think it just means that we're not in the golden age of the social media experience any longer. There was a time, you know, when a lot of interaction would occur on a blog post in the comments section. I remember some of the blogs I used to read, sometimes you'd see hundreds and hundreds of comments. Do blogs in general or blog posts more specifically still have comment sections? Some do, but the activity in general isn't nearly what it was, let's say, a decade ago. Things change. I think TikTok is the younger generation. What would we call the, what do we call the younger generation? Is it Generation Z still or are we on to another letter? I'm not sure, but... I think uh, TikTok is the younger generation's response to Facebook and Twitter, what they might consider to be old school social media or their parents' version of social media. Uh, they did seem to be interested in Instagram, especially in the earlier days for a season, Snapchat, but the majority of their time today is spent on TikTok or with TikTok. 
And, and think about what it might have been like if you were a kid today. If you were a teen right now or you were in your early 20s, would you want your parents hanging out with you or creating content on your social platform of choice? Most people would say probably not. I know I wouldn't. I wouldn't want my parents reading my posts if I was a kid on TikTok making videos for my friends or taking a shot at becoming an influencer or anything like that. But where does all of this leave us from a business perspective? I would say, number one, stop waiting for the next big thing. I think that mindset is does more harm than good for most people. That's up to you, of course. But you can still benefit from marketing on any of the social media platforms that you'd like to. People are still there. You just have to stop comparing what we see today to the way things were in the past. And if you're burnt out on social media or on any specific channel, be it Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn or wherever, and you've just had your fill of it, well, then I would say go ahead and test some of the other options. There's really no shortage of them out there as a way of getting your message out. You know, believe it or not, people are still publishing ads in the yellow pages in most towns. And most people thought they'd be long gone by now. It's 2022 and they're still here. And I, th I once thought to myself because we had an updated version delivered to our driveway. I saw they kind of put it in this little plastic bag and a car goes by and throws them out to all the houses every year or so. And I had the 2022 version of it delivered. And I remember looking at it and it's probably about one quarter the size that it used to be. Maybe not even that. Maybe one tenth. I don't know. But there are still people taking out full page ads there and there are still plenty of numbers to call no matter what category you're looking up. Business, of course. Uh, you know, on top of that, MySpace is still around. If you go to MySpace.com, you'll see that it's very much still alive. And uh, it has transitioned away from social networking to more of a music and entertainment type of platform. I just went there today and was checking out a few of the bands, a few of the types of music that I haven't listened to in a while. Yeah, it was all there. The point is, is that we're moving into the future. All of us, we're all experiencing the same world. We're all seeing what's happening all around us. So no, you are by no means alone. Now, from a business and marketing perspective, I would say this, consider creating evergreen content for the most part and hosting it on a property that you own and control. This has never changed from when I started my own business 23 years ago, it hasn't changed up to today. How I do it is a little bit different. I started at jimgaliano.com back in 2009. And uh, before that time, I had business sites or company sites that I would focus on. But this was me getting into the personal brand type of website. And I did that because every time people would look into my company brand, they would also research me because I was the contact. And they would research me by name. So by having my own personal brand, they'd go to the site and they'd read articles and they'd get an idea of where my area of expertise uh, happened to be in. And they could read my articles. Today they do that, plus they listen to my podcast episodes because they're all there at jimgalliano.com. You could do the same thing for yourself. And with those two things, I had a nice little client attraction mechanism in place that was sometimes even more effective than meeting people in person because they had already formed their opinion of me long before they met me in person. So 
I've adjusted my own business a good six times over the past 23 years or 24 years, however it's been. Wow. It's going to seem weird when I say 25 years. Maybe I'll just change it to 20 plus. I think if I keep going for too long, then I, I don't want to sound like um, a relic of, <laughs> of the past. That's the thing with experience, right? I guess if you do something for long enough, it can be a double-edged sword. People might think that, well, you're not really up with the times. You're too old. So, I, you know, at one point you're, you're too young. At the next point you're too old. When is it that you're just right? I don't know. But I've just learned that to be in business for the long haul, you have to learn to adjust or change with the time that you're in. And I know this may sound cliche, but if I've done it, there's no reason why you can't do it too. All right, let's go ahead and put the bookmarker in it there. That's about all for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think it will help a friend, please go ahead and share the episode link with them directly or send them to jimgalliano.com forward slash podcast. And, uh, you know, for those of you who share episode links or just the podcast link in general, I really do appreciate it. It helps me to reach people who I probably would otherwise either never reach or maybe not reach for a very long time. I really enjoy putting this podcast together week after week, and I've sort of changed my approach to putting podcasts together over the past few years. I started this back in 2017, and one of the best business lessons I've learned, and I learned this from my father, was the need for consistency. And what I mean by that is is that if you're going to show up, show up consistently, wherever that happens to be. It could be on one or several social platforms. It could be in the form of blog articles or podcast episodes, but make it so that people know that you're expected to be in a certain place at a certain time on a regular basis. And it's much easier to build or grow an audience that way instead of just putting out content I don't want to really say haphazardly or or when you find the time or when you make the time because there's a balance here. We put together content for human beings. We also put content together, depending on your approach, for search engine optimization purposes. And I think that's going to be one of the ways that as far as when we talk about evergreen, people will be able to discover you in perpetuity in the future, regardless of whether a certain platform is flourishing or not. If you have a property that you own and you put content on that property, you control that property, yourname.com, for example, I think that that may possibly be the very best investment of your marketing time and efforts is doing that. It is the long game. I'm not saying that you're going to get 20, 30, 40,000 K worth of visitors to your site each and every month that'll happen quickly. But if you are consistent with it, you will see some form of consistent growth, even if that growth isn't exactly as fast as you'd like it to be. I think once you have the initial signs that the little green plants are sprouting up from the ground, I think at that point, it's more of a matter of dialing in your messaging so that what you're talking about becomes relatable to more and more people. So thanks again for listening. Have a great rest of your week, and I'll talk to you later. 